Hey, res resilient warriors, welcome back to Vertical Momentum. I love you. Welcome back to Dub Nation. Guys, I'm so blessed. They say don't ever meet your heroes. That's BS. This gentleman I'm, we're going to have on is a hero to me and a, a mentor to me. Not only is he a father of three beautiful children, has a beautiful wife, amazing company. Um, he's done it all. He's got two of my favorite books we're going to be talking about, Wired Differently. And I like this one, especially this one. Um, he, I, I don't know what else to say, but he is like the Swiss Army knife of positiveness. Todd, brother, welcome oh, to the show. Listen, I think, I think I just should be quiet. I don't think anybody can live up to your awesomeness and that kind of intro, man. The pressure. I'm a, I can't. The pressure. I'm ready because they say pressure. Yes, we're wired differently. But they say pressure is a privilege. So I take the privilege of being on a show with a man as esteemed and a comeback coach like you, brother. So bring it on like donkey cone. Let it rip potato chip. Let's change some lives today, brother. Come on now, Richard. I love it. So first of all, because I do have a traumatic brain injury, and if I don't ask the question, I will forget. What is your definition of resiliency? You know, so I had about 30 seconds to prepare for that, but that doesn't matter because that is basically the answer to the question right there, that the ability to actually keep going when you can't, right? I have a quote in my first book, and I know you read the first book, and probably my critical, uh, critical quote or my critical belief uh, is a foundation and a testimony to what resilience really kind of is. And it's, it's not just the efforts that we make, Richard, but more so the distances that we're willing to go. And so the most resilient people are not successful in life because they're smarter or they try harder. It's that they keep going further. Right. And I think that most of us need to understand that uh, you look at some of the most successful people in the world. When you look at the worldly status, you look at a Steve Jobs, you look at a Bill Gates, you look at some of these people and certainly Elon Musk. You can't ignore a guy like that. And what they have, and obviously, is they probably have higher IQs than most. But the thing that really sets them apart is their resilience, their ability to push through the moment longer than anybody else, right? And I think that that's really my one of the biggest lessons I could teach anybody in my coaching classes. When I, the biggest lesson I could teach my children, it, it, you know, you say you watch the movie Creed, right? You see, you see these things out there, and and uh, resilience is that component of going the distance right whatever it takes it's the distance that separates us from the rest of the world and that's what really uh akins me to the word wired differently that idea of being wired differently and you my friend are wired differently i know quite a bit about your story and i, I gotta tell you uh you're a very attractive man for a lot of reasons and i can't wait to talk about those things i love it i'm so grateful like i said abby 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 Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been a, you've been a lifesaver. I'm so grateful for you. Me being a, a low tech redneck, you really helped me out a lot. So thank you so much. Oh, uh, but now I'm saying the same things to you as he's saying to you right now, Abby. So don't get you get times times two times two, right? So now you know something I wanted. I didn't realize you want to touch on it. You know, talking about Indiana, um, I love Bobby Knight. I was a big Bobby Knight guy. He was not only intense, 
but he was intentional in everything he did. Yeah. And he coached for the long haul. You know, yeah. you could be, anybody can be great for a season or two, but when you make a career out of being intentional and intense, I think you can succeed. So I didn't know I was going to talk about that, but, you know, give us a little bit of a lowdown on that. On, on Bobby Knight or in, or the last, give me the, give me, I'll give you all the Bobby Knight you can stand. Uh, give me the specific thing you want me to comment. I thought I heard two things there. Just the way he was intense, but he was also intentional. Yeah, he, he was. He wasn't intense on, on accident and he yeah. wasn't all willy nilly. Yeah. He was intense on one thing and he was intentional. Yeah. So he, he mastered the D word. You know what that means? The D word. I've been called the D word many times. <laughs> I think he was too. But the D word I'm thinking about him is the word deliberate, right? He was a very, I think we still have him. I know he's in a, uh, I think he's in, in, in a final phase of uh, strong mind and health, right? No. He was very deliberate. You know, I think he was spontaneous to a degree, but I mean, he, he thought about throwing that chair across the, the, the floor. You know, he thought about the way he was going to react to these men. He, you know, he is, um, quite frankly, he is a legend and he was not a, he wasn't a basketball coach. He was a builder of men. And that's a great segue to what I wanted to kind of talk to you about a little bit about leadership. And I was going to kind of wait for the hour and a half mark and drop this baby on you because I'm built, I'm, I'm actually creating a movie. And in that movie, the title of the movie is called the tiger in us. And so and from the same ilk of Bobby Knight, there was my father, Tom Saylor. And Tom Saylor was the winningest football coach in the history of high school football from 1968 to 1976. Never lost a football game, right? And he and Bobby Knight were the same mindset of, you know, we thought they were building basketball teams, but what they really were doing was building men. I know it's not politically correct right now to go out there and single men out and actually tell the world that they're dominant and they're powerful and they really do matter because they do matter. We, men matter. We need men in this world. We need women just as much as we need men, but don't take it from us men. And back in the 70s when they were really working at this football win streak, um, Richard, my father coached these men from 1968 to 1975, nine seasons, they never lost a football game. Right. Never lost every year. You're over in a little town called Hudson, Michigan. His leadership was un, uh, unparalleled. But the beauty of my father was, is that as much as you thought he was working on a win streak, as much as you thought he was trying to become the greatest high school coach ever, and none of those things ever pursed his lips. Never none of those things ever just touched a thought in his mind. Nothing ever really came to me when I saw him coaching from the age nine through the age 12 and 13 years old, shadowing him everywhere he went. One thing, one thing happened that was just remarkable, Richard, and I want to bring this to you because this Bobby Knight thing is just you flipped a switch. I didn't plan on talking about it either. But here's the thing. The TigerInUs.com, the TigerInUs.com is the trailer of the movie. But it's this quintessential scene in this trailer that I realized my father was not a football coach. Even though that I, he practiced every day, people need to listen to this and understand there's always this uh, 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 higher calling for us in leadership. 
I was 12 years old. I went over this 1972, 1971, something like that. And I remember looking for things to do. And my dad was already out on the football field. And I looked over the field and these some 60 class C football players in Hudson, uh, Michigan were out there practicing already. They were in three groups and one squadron over there was in a group and they were doing what are called uh, 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 army crawls underneath the agility drill. Right. And then I looked over in the horizon and there was another group of about 20 men doing monkey rolls you remember what monkey rolls were you monkey roll and play over and play over and play over but the most interesting group was the group over here this last section of men is about 20 men and they were carrying one man over the shoulder to the distance of the field and i'm thinking to myself i thought this was football practice there's no helmets there's no football it's slippery out there i don't know the coaches are yelling at him don't quit don't give up none of these things 1971 1972 i'm thinking dad what is going on here and as i watch these football players on the other side of the field they all are lugging these men to the end of the field and they all made it across the finish line richard except for one man he fell five yards in front of the finish line and you wouldn't to believe what you saw after that all these players started to gather around this fallen man they started yelling man down man down no one touched him the coaches were screaming out of their heads get up get up you'll die if you don't get up it was bedlam as i watched this whole thing unfold i wondered what is going on finally the man Got the guy over his shoulder. He picked up and he lugged this guy five, six, seven, eight, across the finish line. And the rejoice that was happening was amazing, Richard. He lived. He lived. He lived. The celebration was chaotic. And my father walked over me and I was just in a stir. And he says, son, what's wrong? I said, dad, I don't understand what's going on here. I, I really can't put this together. I thought you were a football coach. He looked at me and he said these words I'll never forget. He said, son, I'm not a football coach. You see, these men out here, they're not going to go home and work on the farm after their senior season. They're not going to go home and work at M&S manufacturing down the road at the end of this season. They're not even going to go to college and study or play football. He said, I'm not a football coach. He said, these men are going to Vietnam. I'm not a football coach. I'm a builder of men. My dad's 82 this year. He's got dementia. And uh, he's all a Bobby Knight and some brother. And... Uh, he ushered men into Vietnam and he ushered many of them home and he got letters. And I just never forget the no look past, you know, a man of his age and what he was going through and the pressure of the privilege of the pressure of a win streak such as that. They ended up breaking the win streak there. It's just a remarkable story. But this idea of leadership, this idea of resilience, this idea of love, this idea of mentorship, this idea of a Bobby Knight. I lived with my Bobby Knight. I watched. I watched it all happen. You know, so the movie is named The Tiger in Us. And we've got uh, some great backing. It's going to be an amazing movie. And my dad was the author of Wired Differently. He, uh, he built me that way, Richard. And, and I hope you can understand the length of that story for your viewers because it's important that they hear that. Well, when it comes to New Jersey, New York, you know, I, I, I'm going to be there. <laughs> I'm going to be there with bells on, okay? Like the old saying goes.
But sticking with the Indiana, I don't know where this is coming from, but, you know, sticking with the Indiana, um, I'm a big sports geek. I love sports. Two of, two of the greatest men that I've ever had the privilege of talking to, Larry Bird. Oh, wow. Peyton Manning. Wow. Two of the greatest men. I'm not just saying basketball player. I'm not just playing football. They were leaders of men. And half of the players that played with Peyton wouldn't be going to the Hall of Fame. Marvin Harrison wouldn't sniff the Hall of Fame if it wasn't for Peyton Manning. And Larry Bird is the only guy that kept Ron Artest straight because he was becoming, he was teaching him to become men and not just a professional basketball player. So yeah. I love the state of Indiana. Um, I, I love the, the, the grassroots. I love the hometown homegrown, but I love, I love the story about your dad because without, obviously without your dad, there wouldn't be you, but he's, he's going to live on even when you're gone. He's still going to live on. He changed lives. He right. saved lives. Right. And if you, if we could today, if we could save one life, we literally change the world. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know that shirt you have on there. So a lot of people don't understand. And by the way, I got this. I think on Wednesday. I've watched it three times, and I've worn it three days in a row because it's that comfortable. It's super soft, isn't it? Yeah, but it says because I'm totally wired different than anybody that I know, so I totally relate yeah. with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so I did. I grew up in Indiana. We left there in the I think at seventh grade, and so I'm an I'm definitely a Hoosier through in and out. I'm in Indiana right now. I'm in my studio in Angola, Indiana. Uh, this is where Wired Differently starts. I live in Florida though. I live in Anna Marie Island in Florida. So if you ever get to Anna Marie Island or Tampa or Sarasota, Richard, we're going to go out on my yacht. We're going to hang out. We're going to see dolphins. We're going to go have some food, and we're going to we're going to have a great time. Matter of fact, you just let me know when you come. I'll get you out there. I'll buy the damn plane ticket, Richard. That's how bad I want you to come out there, and brother. I'm a big I'm a big Tampa guy. I'm a big Tom Brady guy because oh. you talk about leadership. That guy has leadership literally coming out of everywhere yeah but again it's all about intention and about setting the standards and deliberate that word bobby knight we were given bobby knight is very deliberate tom sailor my dad was very deliberate these these men like tom brady you know uh they're able to think on their feet for sure, but they're deliberate. They, you know, just, I, I go into, I have a, I have a message I want to spread today. I know where I want to go. I got ideas in my head. I went live this morning. I like you're deliberate. You know, you have a deep mission that you want to get out. You want to, you talk about depression you talk about, you know, what you had to give up and almost a suicide attempt. You, you talk about the things and how much you love your wife and your children. I mean, the message that you have is oozing out of you. So you have a controlled, you, you are a deliberate man. You're a measured man. And I think that's some of the key pieces to becoming a great leader, but the shirt wired differently, man, that's a whole, I mean, to throw that on there is, is amazing to just, you know, it's a, it's basically this idea that you're a misfit, right? And I love to embrace the fact that we're made up on this earth as misfits. You know, if you're not fitting in, you're doing something right. And, and you know, like for me, 
Um, I love all the Christmas music, Chris, Christmas shows, but I like the, the Island of Misfit Toys because I can totally agree. You know, I want to be a dentist. I, I, I totally get it that I'm different than everybody else. I'm not built like everybody else. I don't think like anybody else. And I think that's where me and you are like here because, yeah. you know, we think totally different. You know, a lot of people think, well, why me? Why not me? I mean, why me? And I'll think, well, why not me? Just like when everybody says, oh, this um, COVID-19 is coming. Everybody's going to be locked down. And I'm like, great. Now people are going to be listening to podcasts. Did you-, so, you know what I'm saying? We have a different kind of mindset. We just take it where we're like, all right, you know, we can see it. Just give us a crack. Give us you don't a crack. Even the door. Give me a crack. And, and I, the harder it is for the rest of the world, the better off is for a wired differently person. Because they're resilient, right? Because they'll look for another way. I mean, the more difficult it is, the, fig- the, 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 the odds lay in my favor much more aggressively because I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to look for, I'm not going to say, oh, you know, damn it. You know, that opportunity, you know, screwed the pooch or whatever that is. I'm saying, oh, wow, these guys are going to quit. Let's move this way. Let's get to market first. Let's figure out this way and make it happen. And if that doesn't work, we'll move and pivot to another position but you know COVID-19 was not the time I decided to pivot you know I've been pivoting my whole life Richard why are differently people are on a swivel baby we are waking up looking around figuring out ways to not only have people love us and like us but for us to love and give and serve other people and I think that's what God's called for us to do and I and I love that position Hey, did you ever see the movie? Uh, okay, since you were bringing up movies, The Misfits, because I totally relate with that. I'm like, you're bringing back great goosebumps when you said that. So here's the other. Since we, did you remember the movie Bad News Bears? Yep. That is, uh, that is my, I love that movie. And when I was a little kid watching that movie, I, I think his name was Casey. I can't remember the guy. He was the outcast guy that was really kind of good. And they had to get him on the team. But just this idea of pulling people together that were not equally yoked in talent, but had a variety of talents really led to me to this idea of coaching and finding and grooming people like you to become the best they can be. Right. I help people build their fortunes from what they have. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts a guy like you can do. I mean, there's enough Grant Cardona. I mean, he he he. He's already got his space, man. Let, let him go. He's 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 kicking tail, kicking names, but there's there's a space out there for people who probably aren't as fortunate as I have been over time, but they they could be. They just need that mentor. They need that kick in the tail. They need that idea, the few ideas to move them here. They need to know that a guy like you and a guy like me can get back up. Not it's not just in the movies, right? And that's the whole wire differently mentality I'd like to share with you, Richard. And, you know, and I, and now you mentioned Grant, um, because I couldn't stand Grant Cardone. I saw that show. I saw that show for the longest time. (laughs) But then when I got his book 10 X and he was talking about where he came from as a drug addict and how he turned his whole life around. Now I get it. Yeah. Now I understand to like to where he he took it from addict to now successful. But like you say in your book, in your in your books, you know, a lot of people 
and I'm going to mention his name because he's a big mentor of mine, Mr. David Meltzer, you know, he had to bankrupt his $100 million company when his wife saw him and Little John hanging out at the Grammys being stupid. She told him, hey, it's either me or the business. And he and he had to bankrupt his business and start his life all over again because he started to drift away. He started to the shiny, bright objects, just like you know, we talk about sports. You know, there are some great players in it from Indiana. Ron Artest was great, but then you start stop being Ron Artest and you go to Meta World Peace, you become a rapper and all this. Well, you drifted away to what made you great. And I think what this book has taught me is you can drift back into back back into the lane again. Yeah. You don't have to stay, you don't have to stay off course. <laughs> you right? read the book. You read the book. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. I mean, Life Drift Again was my second book. And the first book, Wired Differently, is what is wired differently. And it's it's my story. I originally wrote that book to basically give my children some understanding of what it took to get our family to where we are. We own 14 companies. Um, we've just amassed an amazing collection of business, an amazing collection of phenomenal people, right? And I wanted to, sh they, they were just, they, I wasn't there for everything. I get that. And I wanted them to understand where I was and what I was doing and why I was doing what I was doing. And then it turned into this whole brand. And I think God really, really spoke to me, uh, in that first book. So that is what is wired differently. It's a great, great book. It's a very raw book. The second book that you held up there is drift again. Thought that would be a quick book. It took me uh, a year to write, but it's, and I branded that word drift again. Thank you so much. Uh, but you know, we, we, we lose focus and then we lose focus again, right? We, we sin and then we sin again and we drift and then we drift again. High achievers all have this quality of drifting. High achievers all have this quality of losing focus. High achievers are full of sin, right? High achievers have all this baggage of, uh, of not being able to complete certain things. But here's the thing is the reason I called it drift again is because I'm a high achiever. And I realized that until I could master the discipline of not drifting, I was not going to win. And so Drift Again is a montage to this idea of the eight principles of being supremely purposeful, right? The eight principles of being supremely purposeful. Seven of them are really, really good. But one is really, really bad. And that is that we drift, not once, but we drift again. And it's after that second drift. How do we deal with it? How do we overcome it? How do we measure it? Listen, a lot of us men, and I'm going to put you, just close your ear, but pornography is a really, really epidemic thing in this world, in our culture. It's awful. It's debilitating. It'll destroy a man. It'll destroy a, it'll destroy a, a, a marriage. It'll destroy a company. Anything pornography touches, it destroys, period. No question, no doubt, no excuses. How many men have done it? Every damn one of them on some way, shape or form. You can't exclude yourself this from if you're man. I got to tell you, you're a liar. If you tell me you haven't experienced it, haven't looked at it, haven't thought about it. Haven't, but if it uh, takes over your life and you're doing it more often than not, then you, you're drifting. You're drifting from your core. You're trying to find a way. And that was, is what led me this mindset in my third book. So the first one is what is wired. The second one is why we're wired. And the third one is 
entitled Your Will Be Done. Beautiful book. It took me, uh, I'm embarrassed to tell you, well over a year to finally dial us in. But man, this is, this is where God really comes into my life and the people that read it. Instead of closing with God's will, I open this book with God's will. And I talk about the power of the mind. I talk about God's free will, and I triangulate our free will with God's will, right? I'm taking on a tough one, Richard, and I need your support with this because I think I created the perfect book that many people aren't going to be happy with. Here's why. Because I wrote a book about triangulating God's will with our free will. And my pastor friends don't want to talk about free will, right? But my motivational friends don't want to talk about God's will, right? And so when you put them both together, I think I've offended both sides of the equation. But at the end of the day, there's no getting around it that we have been given free will by God. John 3.16 says, listen, man, come on, let's go. I need you in the kingdom. Accept Christ as your savior. I'm here for you. But yet in the beginning, when we're born into this world in this creation phase, we're safe in God's hand while he's building our prefrontal cortex and our mind and our subconscious. If you're to perish in those moments, I'm confident that God is going to take us. But at some point, this age of accountability, whatever you want to call it, we go from God's perfect care and perfect humility to now we have to ask Christ into our heart to find our way to the kingdom. And that's why I want people to understand is that you have two wills in your life. We have our free will. God loved us so much, Richard, that he didn't tether your perfect brain created in his image to his salvation with us. Meaning like Elon Musk won't profess God. Steve Jobs won't profess God, right? Uh, uh, Bill Gates won't profess God. But these are earthly successful men that have taken their lives to the limits of the the mountains of economic success in this world because God gave them the mind in their image. So there's no doubt that our free will will, will conquer, will do things. And if we teach our subconscious to do the things we want it to do, and I coach those things, but at the end of the day, what I'm trying to share with you now, brother is, is that God's will along with our free will is the perfect answer, right? When we decide that Christ is driving our life, when we decide God is in our heart, mind, and soul, now that this free will that he's given us now has a conscience. You know, I shock people when I say your subconscious has no conscience. <laughs> your mind, what you've been through, Richard, the stories I've heard about your life and the depression and the things that you fought back from, you're a survivor. You're a miracle, right? But your mind is so powerful that it can make you or it can kill you. And if your mind is left alone without God, it has no conscience. Because your subconscious was created to go seek. Your brain was created for survival, but your mind was created for success. Right. And so if you don't have God in your life and you're dripping things into your subconscious like porn, you're dripping things into your subconscious like filthy words, you're put even worse than all of it. If you're dripping things like negativity in your subconscious, your subconscious is going to go and get it. It is the A train. So, right. So we've got to get our subconscious in the right place and we've got to get the right filters in it. And that's what the third book, Your Will Be Done, is about 
triangulating our free will with God's will. And, you know, that's something that my one of my biggest mentors, Mr. Ed Milet, he talks about all the time is the reticulator activating system in the mind that whatever you whatever you look for, you're going to find, whether that's depression, anxiety, uh, failure, success. You know, even like David said, when he was on the show, he said, you know what? Depression and anxiety can't occupy the same spot. Yeah. You got to pick one. You got to pick one. <laughs> like it's like it's the two wolves, you know, which, which you, you know, whichever one you feed the most is the one that's going to be there. And a lot of people don't realize that if you're if you're in a, if you have a negative life, you're probably looking at negative stuff. So you got to change the algorithm. Yeah, and it, it can it can make your story. I like the show you did on uh, Creed and there was another movie. Don't tell me. Oh, it was a movie you watched. Help me out. Uh, you said you're fighting back, you're getting to your fighting weight. It was it was uh, the the the, uh, the series with Conor McGregor called oh, McGregor I Forever. It. I loved it. You don't have to like him to like the show. Yeah. Great, great motivational so, stuff. All right, before we even get started, because I, I got so much I want to talk about, I want to thank our sponsors. Um, as you guys know, I was with GNC for over thirty years with uh, Military Twenty Three. I loved coffee. I loved energy drinks, but they either tasted like crap or I had to take a crap five minutes later. <laughs> so I came out with my own called Vertical Momentum Coffee. Ooh. Twice the energy, twice the caffeine, no crash. But the best part of it, for every bag somebody buys, it's saving a veteran's life. Because what we're going to do is we're building something called uh, Forward Operating Base Rush. It's for a young lady that took her own life. We're going to take 12 soldiers and their families. We're going to feed them for one year, take care of them physically, financially, spiritually for one year at zero cost to the veteran. So anytime you buy this coffee, I don't make a penny off of it on purpose. I'm just paying it forward. So if you guys love coffee with a mission, write coffee down below. Also, guys, I gave up sugar probably about three months ago because my friend sent me this. He has a company called Buzzy Bees Honey, he, and he's actually a beekeeper. So he sent me the honey, and my blood sugars dropped 240 points. And the best part is it comes straight from the hive right to your table. So it's fresh. And also, they make he makes um, honey lollipops. They're Oh, my God, they're delicious. I'm only allowed to have one a day. But if you guys love honey... Just check, just write honey down below and I'll get that information to you. But now, you know, let me talk to you because wait, I wait, love wait, the time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. I want to buy some coffee right now. Okay. I'll send you the link. What's the, what's the biggest order you ever had? Oh, a couple hundred dollars. All right. I'm going to buy $500 of that coffee right now. Wow. Send it to Abby. Let's get it on like Donkey Kong. Great cause. And I'll buy two of that honey because I want to get it over to my wife. She likes to put it in her coffee, but she we're on a no sugar diet. So I'm going to sneak it in there just a little bit, but I'm going to take two honey and I want $500 of that awesome coffee. Thank you, brother. For doing what wow, you're doing. I'm so grateful. Yeah. But now, I want to talk about your wife for, and, and for a reason, because I know a lot of guys, they get out of the military, they start a company they don't have that hard conversation at the kitchen table mm -hmm. until crap hits the fan. And then they got to have an even harder conversation, six months, 
$10,000 later because now they're in debt. But for me, I know that my bride, I call her my bride. She's my everything. Um, I know if she feels something is off, 99.9% .9 of the time, she's absolutely right. And I like that when, and we can talk about that in a minute, but when you left the company and you started your own company, mm -hmm. you guys sat together and talked about it and agreed upon it. And I'm sure you prayed about it. And you, you're successful because of it, because yeah. you guys are a team. And I think yeah. a lot of, you know, CEOs, CFOs, they try to become the lone wolf and yeah. the lone wolf don't eat. And the lone <laughs> wolf is not protected. And for me, my wife is the most protective Italian woman you'll ever meet. She protects me and the kids. So yeah. talk about that, the relationship and how important it is. Cause I, I tell everybody, what good is it to have the boat, the house, the car, but to sit at the kitchen table and eat alone? Yeah. So I'll, I just got to tell you what a privilege it is to have someone really dive into my books before a, uh, a podcast. So you're, you're getting that from the first book, Wired Differently. And uh, you're talking about a scene. We were in our late 20s and I'd hit it. Uh, really big with a company called ESI and ESI was a publicly traded PEO and we were the second publicly traded PEO and uh, I had been in the company for eight years uh, so I'd had I was probably 34 or 35 at this point this is towards the end of it and I realized that I was making about $800,000 a year and I'd never even dreamed of that kind of money from a small town of Angola Indiana so you got to understand the backstory a little bit and she had never experienced any kind of money like that. We, we came from, uh, we were living in a single wide trailer, right? When I started working for this organization and uh, we had already, we didn't end up going bankrupt because I worked it out and paid people off, but we'd, we'd really lost everything. We were down to a jar of silver dollars that we had to break open and spend. But at this point we had kind of made it. It's been like seven years and I was making this kind of money, but I realized I was preaching from the pulpit. If you remember that part of the story, and I realized God convicted me that this company wasn't doing things morally right because the more I got involved, the more I realized that uh, they were twisting a lot of tax codes. They were twisting a lot of things. They were under-reserving their, their insurance funds. And it goes on and on and on. They're paying me. And so at the end of the day, I came home one day after I was speaking at church and I was talking about the truth and I was preaching about the truth of Christ is Christ is the truth. But sometimes we're called to tell the truth. And I realized that I wasn't always telling all the truth to get these people to buy this product. Makes sense. And so at the end of the day of that message, I was I spoke three messages that day, three services. I came home and I was sweating and I said to my wife, I said, I can't do this anymore. God's called me away from this money and this peace and this what's going on in our life and I just don't think it's going to be where I want to end up. It's got to end. I'm not feeling good about it. And I need to know how you feel about it. I want to walk away today. And it was at the dinner table. We had two smaller kids. And uh, instead of getting what I thought might be, are you crazy? You know, she wasn't that type of person. She just looked at me. She said, it's about time. It's about time. You know, it's about time you... You saw that. I'm so proud of you. You know, I mean, you can only hope to have a partner 
that can see for you, can protect you and love you and accept you, but reward you with some of the most difficult things you do in your life, with the most wonderful comments in the most difficult times of your life. And so that's great. And you're right. She supported me. She said, we'll do it. We'll figure out this. And so subsequently, Richard, we built this new company, um, PayServe Systems Incorporated. So we started a posture for that. And to this day, it's been 25 years with PaySurf Systems Incorporated. It's one of my 14 organizations, and we are the nation's largest HCM cloud calculating payroll company in the country with 1,000 or more employees for the UKG Ready product, meaning that we only deal with companies of 1,000 or more. Our multiple is fabulous. We've built an amazing business worth a lot of money, and it's catapulted our marriage and other organizations from that. But that was because... I was willing to step away, take the risk, listen to God. And more importantly, in many, many ways, my wife encouraged me to follow what God was asking me to do. Thank you for the opportunity to share that story, Richard. You've made me cry twice on this show already. One more time, and it's a record. Well, they call me the, the G.I. Joe Rogan, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> but, you know, I've had, like I said, I've had David Meltzer on. I've had Lee Steinberg on. Oh, great guy. And, and they, the movie Jerry Maguire was written about both of them. And for, you reminded me of Jerry, the Jerry movie, Jerry Maguire. I watch it every time it's on. I don't care what. I actually, I, I got a great show me the money. But I, uh, you said, you know, something that you also said is when you started the new company, you're putting customer first. Yeah. You're not worried about the stockholders. You're not worried about that. You're putting the person first. Yep. And for me, my life didn't start changing until I didn't worry about speaking to the masses. I started being successful when I started talking to the one. And, and so talk to us because a lot of people think, oh, you know, I, I have all these customers. But then as soon as they get a better deal, they're out of there. Yeah. Because you didn't well, build a relationship from from the get go. So yeah, talk we, about. Yeah. Uh, so that first business of ESI that was built, we had, I ended up representing 300 million of a billion dollar company. And even in that organization, uh, I did it one at a time, one client at a time. And I think that I think sometimes, especially uh, in this day and age with social media and all the digital media and digital marketing and everything virtual and all that, I think we still get we get caught up on, man, I'm going to 10x. I'm going to do all these things. But it doesn't happen like that. I mean, Grant Cardone and these uh, prolific people who have done it are not going to tell you it's easy. You know, some of them will, but there's no easy. I mean, literally, it comes down to, Richard, one customer at a time. At some point, when I'm building this coaching uh, academy, Wire Differently Coaching Academy, I still had to get my first client, right? I still have to have my first uh, uh, Tiki Hut retreat. I still have to have my first relationship. I have to have my first conversion you just, you just don't, just doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's the most important thing that the Jerry, uh, Jerry Maguire story tells people is people matter and they matter one at a time. It, it, it's very hard to go out there and get a, a million people to fall in love with your mindset, your mission, your movement and your ministry on one podcast, right? It takes podcast after podcast after podcast 
and you think like, who's watching? Is anybody watching? And then you go back and you look at your comments and then you go back and you're like, am I making any difference? Is any, is any, is the needle even moving? What, what is going, why am I thinking of, why is this not, why can't I keep going? Keep going, right? It's one at a time. And it's funny because at some point you'll break through. Obviously, if it's, if it's, if it's a good minded mission intent, I literally have always wanted a virtual, uh, 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 uh something social media virtual. <laughs> I'm cripping away at it, cricking away at it, just like you are. And I've never, I can't get over, I don't know what the number is, thousands or something. Finally, the other day, I got to tell you, I cracked through. I had a, I had a post that went virtual, Richard. 9.1 million views. And it was the post I did by accident that had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> and it was like controversial because I'm wrestling a alligator, uh stuffed alligator with two tags on it. So you just you just don't know how life is gonna work, right? You just don't know when that that ceiling is really gonna really hit it. Did you realize a bamboo tree literally grows underground for five years? And then in that fifth year, it grows as much as 60, uh, uh, nine, it grows as much as nine feet in less than one year. I mean, that's this idea of, of uh, uh, platitudinal gain, right? Like you have to understand that it takes time for things to grow. It takes time for things to mature. And at some point, man, it's just going to hit it. And that's kind of where we're at. You know, and I love that. Like I said, I'm, I'm a movie guy. And most people don't even realize that Harrison Ford had to quit acting and he was taking roles. He was a carpenter behind the scenes while going on, on to, to helping other actors build their scenes as he's trying to get roles. You know, so there's also that of, you know, like you said, you got to start somewhere. In order to be great, you got to start somewhere. And people, everybody used to love Peyton Manning, how great he was, but they don't they don't remember that he threw the most interceptions by any rookie in NFL history. Did he really? They don't remember that. They don't remember, like you said, the bamboo, it's growing and growing, but you're not seeing anything happen yeah. until something happens. And for me, I tell everybody that if you're if you're having a setback, because I'm a big Joe Osteen guy, uh, if you're having a setback, it's just a setup. For God to show out. Now there's you know another thing. Yeah, he's smooth. Joel's smooth. That's a good one. You, you're pulling them all out. That's awesome. Awesome. So now, okay, you you you're, you're starting this company. You know how, and you got 14 different entities. Right. So you have to stay grounded at the same time, because right. when anything that gets that big shiny object syndrome can happen anytime right and i think i think a lot of it has to do with your faith because i think you're like me and you realize we came in on a steel gurney we're going out on a steel gurney god only lets us borrow this we don't own anything uh, so it's easy to be humble when you start thinking i'm storing my treasures up in heaven but I also want to enjoy stuff while I'm here too. So, you know, I think we can have, we can enjoy it. And everybody says, well, the love of money, it, you know, it's no, it's, it's the love of money. Money is just a tool. 
Right. If you were an idiot before you had money, it's going to be more exasperated. You're a big. You're a idiot. nice guy when you had money. Before you had money, you're, you're going to be an amazing guy. guy. <laughs> so talk yeah. about you know having 14 different companies, but saying grounded and just and being you when you're home especially you got your got your grandkid and you're hanging out but you're still being you at the same time yeah so it's funny because the first book you get you haven't got to read the third book but the first book really takes me back to meeting my wife for the first time takes me back uh about growing up as a donut maker right so my craft really is if i had to tell you you know really the truth uh, my craft is donut making. Uh, my father was a football coach, and then on the in the summers and the weekends, he owned a little donut shop. And so I would go and make donuts with him every day until I was I didn't have a weekend off till I was 21 years old, right? And so my life was heavily influenced by my father. My father's ability to coach to make a fast man, uh, a, a slow man fast, and a weak man strong, and a short man tall. I mean, just had that gift. Uh, but in the in the summers we made donuts, and so it's it's hard to not be humble when you're getting up at two in the morning, making donuts, waiting on customers, scraping floors, um, mopping floors, um, serving people in the rain, serving people come heck or high water. I mean, our whole life was built around serving, and so I think that I had a really a leg up with them, a lot of people if they were going to be prepared to be successful or not. Um, my father would always, you know, he grew up in the law of lack though. And that's where we kind of started to bump heads a little bit. I was more of a Napoleon Hill before I knew about Napoleon Hill, you know, uh, he, he, he understood the law of lack and he lived that the, the, the forties, you know, the fifties, those, those guys, it was always, you know, don't talk about yourself. Don't, you know, don't act conceited. Um, you know, don't, don't share what you have. Just keep it to yourself. Be, be conservative and all that. I have this whole message about a gold watch and how his father worked 20 years standard oil for pittance. And he was so proud to get a gold watch at the end of his, uh, retirement. You know, that was, that's what people did back then. You know, we, we just don't think like that anymore. And I, I feel like I'm glad I didn't because I was moving with the times in that regards. I don't want a damn gold watch. I just want an opportunity to own the company. And so, you know, as I started to start to think like that, my father was a little nervous because it was a shift in cultural thought. And for, so for me to break away from that, I did a show this morning called the gravity of it all about how the pull of our parents, the pull of our childhood, the pull of even people are built into our mindset, our psyche, and how we walk around and roam this world and how it's always going to pull on us. And we have to break free from some of it. And so when I started to profess that I was going to be a certain way, uh, it was hard for him. But I did have that grounding to answer your question was, is that, yeah, I knew I needed to go somewhere if I wanted to be it. I had to be willing to change who I was to become who I wanted to be. And that's this whole wire differently mentality. He was doing those things, but he was quiet about it. I became a little more boisterous because I knew if I proclaimed that I was going to do something, the pressure of the burden of having it happen or come true was expert, expedited in the burden of me becoming a liar by saying something I was going to do that I didn't do. So at the end of the day, you know, I was built to be humble. I was built to be very grateful. I was built. Uh, my father didn't actually share Christ with me. He shared God with me. It was my wife when I married my wife that took me to the next level of humility.
because I was successful in sports. I was successful about everything I touched. I'm not going to just, just, I don't know. I mean, just worked. But if, 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 if you, if you, you know, what does it say? It's harder to put a, uh, an eye, a camel through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. So here we are, things become easy and it was harder for me to find God. Right. But when I married her and got into the real world and she worked with me, she brought God to me. But I won't lie to you. There was a period after about 20 years in our marriage where I finally really hit it. And um, our marriage wasn't perfect. Um, the kids were, we had our third child and money was plenty and success was this. And I started to think I had a little more to do with it than really maybe even God or certainly my wife. And so, you know, you're in that phase where success can either make you or break you. And I give my wife, uh, a massive amount of credit, you know, for putting up with a, a mindset that was a little frustrated and wanted a little more from the world than uh, maybe um, was there, you know. And she's just phenomenal. Uh, she loved me through that. She loved me through her wide differently. And she helped me understand really the most important thing in this world was an everlasting marriage, an everlasting partner. And, um, she was just phenomenal and you were 50, I'm 59 right now. I'm, I'm going to be 59 and um, she's going to be 59. We have a 32 year old daughter, a 31 year old daughter, a 23 year old daughter is getting married. I have uh, two son-in-laws, a third one to come soon. I've got three young boys as grandchildren and a little granddaughter. And I think, man, if I wouldn't have fought through the selfish side of what Satan tempted me with, right? What joy I'd be missing right now. I'm basking in so much joy. And it's not in money. It's just this idea of my marriage and love that I've never, I never really saw coming. You know, God's funny like that because he gives you this thing called stored love. And most people don't really think about it until I bring it up to him. It's like, man, I remember falling in love with my wife when I was 17 years. Old. Actually, I fell in love with my wife when I was 15. She fell in love with me when I was 18. <laughs> so I had, I, had, I had three years to really work at figuring out how to get the girl. But um, it's just funny because when I remember falling in love with her, I remember the hormones. I remember all the beauty and all the grandeur and finally marrying it. Just that first love. It was just like euphoric it was like any better than any cocktail you could ever hope for and it was stored love because you didn't know about it until you experienced it and then when you have your first child I, can you remember that moment yeah you'll I, cry I right now won't you oh because i i and my wife said you know i was really mad at you because she had a c-section and i was the first one to hold my daughter last night she goes you know i've been really mad at you for the last 11 years I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, because I knew I was the first one to hold her. I was the first. I cut the umbilical cord. I was oh. the first one to change her. I never missed a doctor's appointment. So yeah, I mean, I I totally get it. It, it it's a stored love you weren't prepared for when it happened. You weren't prepared for. It. You didn't even know that it existed because it's different than the love God gave you for your wife and the the hormones and all that kind of stuff. And then this child comes along. You're like, I will kill anything that enters this zone of this child i will destroy don't even think about it i'll give my own life i will go the mountain out back i'll walk on glass i'll drink motor oil i'll do whatever it takes just to protect this is a whole different stored love and then when you have the you have your first grandchild yet no thank god stored love like you can't imagine 
it's another level. Like you, you, you just like God has just stored these sections of love. And then, so I think about to myself, what would heaven be? What, what is heaven going to be like if we've got all this beauty stored in us that we're not even aware of? So that's the thing, but the humility comes from, I think that component, this, and I think a partner uh, in life is, is something to really behold and work for even through the worst of times. Um, and we never had worse, worse times. We just had times where Todd just got a little too full of himself and she has been able to ground me and bring me in, you know, and, um, I'm just grateful for all that. She's wired differently too. And I'm grateful that me and you are here. Yeah. Um, but you know, I also want to say, cause me and you, we run a lot of parallels. My, one of my mentors, his name is Kumar. He came from India and his family owned Dunkin' Donuts. That's oh. what they did. And he worked his way through high school and college. He would sleep on the flower bags and he would work a sun up to sundown or put himself through college. But he also taught me that Dunkin' Donuts hasn't changed donuts for the last 30 years. Yeah. But you had to have a specific amount of flour, specific amount of sugar. So you had to stay consistent over a long period of time. Again, right. we're talking about consistency and, and intentionality. So what did growing up in that kind of business, what did it teach you? Cause I'm sure I know like in, in, in one of your books, you talk about how you have so many things going on in your head that if you see a deck of cards, you're like, I can make it better. Let me go make it now. Let me go do that right yeah. now. Yeah. So what did learning just from making donuts, what did that teach you as yeah. an adult, as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I write about that in my third book. It's funny. You're, you're helping me out with this. So Tom's Donuts is the name of the donut shop. And just this last summer, I bought everything out of, uh, a difficult position and re rebranded it. It's been around 53 years now. 1970 was when it first opened. And my dad's name is Tom, Tom Saylor and the tiger in us.com is the movie I'm making about his football side. But the donut side is really part of the work ethic story that I got, not only from playing football to win and to leave it on the field, but he also taught me to do that in the donut business and in anything that I do. And so, um, you know, consistency over time uh, was really, really the biggest lesson as much as you can share it with you because he wasn't consistent over time with the donuts. He was very consistent over time in the coaching. But as I watched the donuts kind of grow on its own and then fall on its own, uh, it was our heritage. And so just this last May 28th, 2022, we held uh, uh, a Guinness Book of World Record event. Are you aware of this? No. Yeah. And so, as you know, a lot of people like to use the word manifestation. I like the word actualization. About three years prior to this, I started telling everybody about my father. We're back. I rebranded the, the donut business and I'm flying back and forth. He's he's moving through. Um, he's got dementia and it's, you know, it's been an interesting haul and I love him and we're going to let him make sure he wins this thing the rest of his life. But at the end of the day, I said, Dad, this is going to be the donut capital of the world it matter of fact it is the donut capital world all your work everything we've done our family our blood our sweat our flower right he says todd he goes do you, 
don't you can't go out and just start calling yourself a donut capoeira. So why not? We are the donut capoeira. We've been doing this 50 years. We sell thousands and dozens of donuts a day. People line up for hours to buy our donuts every summer, every year on the lace. Is that he says, son, you just can't go out there. Law of lack, right? Law of lack. I'm saying, Dad, damn it, we're the donut capital world. Believe it, see it. It's gonna happen. So year over year, I was saying, Donut Capital World, the Donut Capital World, get here. And I was just pronouncing it and loving on it. And people were laughing at me, Richard. They were calling me silly. But the second year, they started looking at me and they started saying, why isn't he the Donut Capital World? We've been here 50 years. We sell more donuts than anybody in the country. And then like in year three, people were honking their horns at me. Donut Capital World, Donut Capital World. You know, bringing it on, actualizing this vision and this thought, believing it. And, for, and at the end of the day, on May 28th, 2022, Guinness came over personally and witnessed the most donuts made and sold in an eight-hour period in the history of the world. We held a donut production eating period from 6 a.m to 2 p.m. and we had to sell and make more than 2,000 donuts in an eight-hour period to break this world record. And at the end of the day, we sold 8,558 donuts. We crushed the world record. And if you Google the donut capital of the world right now, my friends, as a wild, differently testimony to the book, your will be done. You will see my picture. You'll see Tom's Donuts as the donut capital of the world. Hear ye, hear ye, as sanctioned by the Guinness Book of World Records. That, that, that is this idea of consistency. That is this idea uh, of understanding what you can take from your brain to the, to the ground, to the actual success of something in your life. That's how powerful your will be done is. We but, did it. Okay, but now also I want to dig into that because – self-actualization like i said i'm a big sports geek and i i follow right. the successful people and when tom brady got drafted mr irrelevant and he got picked and mr Kraft said uh kyle brady it's nice to have you on the team he <laughs> says uh sir um i'm tom brady kyle brady plays tight end for the new york jets and by the way i'm the greatest pick you ever picked <laughs> And he would actually get to get to uh, practice two hours early, stay yeah. two hours late. But he knew, even though he wasn't even a starter in Michigan, he believed in himself and he self-talked yeah. that even till today in his wallet, he, he has 199 picks that were picked before him in his wallet. And that's what drives him because yeah. there was a lot of self-talk. Because a lot of times the stuff that we say to ourselves – we would never say to another human being. Yeah. So I think talk to us a little bit about that, the self-talk and our self-belief. I mean, yeah. you got to have faith, obviously. Yeah. But you also have to say, you know, sometimes I, I didn't sleep last night. My insomnia was bad last night. I haven't slept yeah, yet. But I, I woke up this morning and I'm like, God, you have a plan for me. Yeah. If I don't do this show today, there's somebody like out there that might, might blow their brains out they, they need to hear this yeah you so know talk I, that. yeah i'll set you up because i've been in that position of depression i've been in that uh, position of of uh, painkiller um xanax percocet um ambien i i had a, if you in my first book i talk about 
um, having to conquer that. So I haven't, I have a taste of that, that challenge. But when I teach in the third book, your will be done. Actually, the third book is the answer to your question here. Is the third book is how to become wired differently. So you got what is wired, uh, why we're wired, and the third book is how to become wired differently. And the title is your will be done. And so the specific teachings in the book are basically this: we have a creation phase, an actualization phase, and then last but not least, hopefully we all have a salvation phase. So one. Um, when we're created, we're created wired differently. The calculations of neurons in a baby's brain at three years old is something like 1,000 trillion neurons. That's 15 zeros, if you think about that. Spectacular, bizarre that God could create. So there's no question that every one of us is completely wired differently from creation. But the thing that the, really the common denominator of all people on this earth when they want to become successful at something, whether it's being good or bad, they learn how to control the power of their subconscious, this mind that has finally developed. You know, when you're born, you're not born with a mind. You don't have a prefrontal cortex. You know, you just don't have it. That's what God is growing inside of you. But so the first several years up until you're maybe three or so, you're working on motor skills, growing fingernails, and you're learning how to learn the language and basically when you're born of course you have no mind all you know what to do is cry and poop i mean literally it's an autonomic nervous system that's running it it's god controlled and divine but at the end of the day when the prefrontal cortex finally developed it's the decision maker of your body and that's this piece where now you can make your own real decisions your parents aren't making the decision god's not putting you in a spot that you don't have to make any position but you finally have this ability to make decisions and once you learn how to control what's going from your conscience to your subconscious and using that process to get the things that you want in life that's that self-actualization phase that you're talking about right and some people get upset they say well todd you know you just said you don't need god to be successful on this earth and I, you know I, he gave us free will we, i mean i'm not I, i'm not all for it i'm not excited to tell you this, but at the end of the day, you don't. It's because it's this actualization. I mean, I don't know where Peyton Manning is on the chart of Christianity. I don't know where Tom Brady, I don't know where these people are. All I know is they took the God-created prefrontal cortex that they had, and they learned the secret sauce early. They understood what they put in their subconscious and repeated and did the reps on and believed in it and said it over and over and over again. They programmed themselves that that will be done, right? The small caps the small letters there will be done they have their own personal will tom brady said i'm going to be the greatest uh football player to ever play the game kobe bryant said the same thing kobe bryant was uh 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 interviewed when he was 17 years old you you know heard of that guy right kobe bryant my Mike. favorite basketball player of all time all right so here you probably know this story kobe bryant 17 years old he gets interviewed by a newspaper reporting company he says kobe 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 can i have a few seconds he goes, yeah sure i'll talk to you he says kobe you're only 17 years old and i just want to talk to you about what your aspirations are and what you think is going to come out of all this basketball you seem to be pretty good he says i'm going to be the greatest basketball player to ever play the game he says okay you you mean mean the greatest in the state he goes, no, I'm going to be the greatest, not only in the state, not only in the county, not only in college. Not only, I'm not even going to go to college. I'm going to go to the NBA. I'm going to be the greatest player to go to the NBA. I'm going to be the greatest player to ever play the game of basketball. And the reporter kind of looked at him. He sits back a little bit. And he's like, oh, you know, he's, he believes it. 
He said, thank you, Kobe. Have a good day. Kobe goes off, does his thing. And so when I tell that story, I, I, I like to ask someone like you, do you think, and there's no right or wrong answer here because I'm going to tell you what my thoughts are, Richard. But do you think Kobe Bryant's life got easier at that moment or harder? In, in a way, both. It's a good because answer. Because for me, and I just want to put a story out there for even before I forget. Um, I had Mr. Lee Steinberg on the show. And I said, I asked him, I said, because we're talking about Indiana. I said, you had Mr. Jeff George sitting in your chair. Did you think he was going to be successful? He said, no. I knew from the minute I met him, he was going to fail. Hmm. He says, I can tell when a person sits down in front of me, whether he's going to be a Hall of Famer or he's going to be a scrub, hmm. which is pretty amazing. But, but back to your question is, Kobe knew what he wanted, so there was nothing else. He knew, okay, I'm going to be the greatest. And I, I love Kobe, my favorite player of all time. And I read an interview um, by his coach. I, I forget his name. He wrote two amazing books. But he said what Kobe said, I'm staying in my lane, but I'm going to dominate my lane. Mm -hmm. Whether that means if I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame, that means I need to get up two hours early. After a game, I need to shoot a thousand free throws before I can go in. So it was easy for him because it was, there was no other, there was nothing else besides basketball. So I don't think it was as hard as people would think. Yeah, the work was hard, yeah. but he already knew the destination. You're, you nailed it. You're like the best answer I've ever had on that question because, truthfully, it is both. But the, the answer I'm looking for is the first one where his life got easier. Because I think when people don't understand, the most successful people in this world really know two things, Richard. They know what they want and they know how to get it. They don't know math. They don't know all this stuff. They just know what they want and they know how to go get it. You can go to trade school to figure that out. You can go, you don't need to go to college. I mean, I, I'm not against all those things. I'm just saying the most successful people know two things. They know what they want and they know how to get it. And when you decide, you know exactly what you want and you're the more certain about it, the better. Kobe Bryant got brilliantly easier because he had confessed to the world in his mind, the whole world, that this is what I was going to do. And so every decision for Kobe Bryant that needs to be made from that moment on was based on one thing. Does that make me a better basketball player or not? Do I go out and party with the ladies and the guys tonight after a hard practice? Does that make me the greatest basketball player ever played the game? Nope, I'm not doing it. Uh, I'm going to have a piece of cake after uh, this big win and do this... Does that make me a better basketball player? Nope. I'm not doing it, right? I'm going to I'm going to go home. I'm tired. I'm not going to work anymore at the gym. I had a great game. I scored 100 points. I don't need any more reps. Does that make me a better basketball player? Nope. I'm going to stay, right? And so I think if we could take that Kobe Bryant rule, the brilliant uh mindset of a man, a mission, a movement and a ministry in his own way, right? He he's created this following and because of his work ethic, because his dominance in the lane and the things that he's doing. I just would like you to, people to learn that lesson from that uh, uh that anecdote is is that if you really know what you want, then your life just got easy. Because now your questions and the basis for but me leaving that company that you brought up early, I knew I didn't want to be there. That was a version I knew what I wanted. 
but I knew I wanted to create this PaySurf Systems Incorporated and everything was easy from my marriage, from my wife, from the answers to what it was just like all my spidey senses, all my superpowers, the yes and no's was all built around building that organization because the bigger cause was to support the family and the children I had. But I think that's a very important piece that I think that you're, you're going after. And so that idea of visualizing those things, that idea of knowing the North star, which is the identity of your habits is your North star. I mean, Kobe's identity, he was clear. He wanted to be the greatest basketball player to walk the planet. So all of he had to do was align his habits. Right. And so I want you to think about that for your viewers out there. The identity of your habits is the North star. So the North star of your habits in essence is your identity. So I'd like to ask you and I'd like to ask your followers to think about what their habits are. Are their habits, are your habits pointing to what your identity is? And if they're not, you're never going to be able to do this. You're going to be going like this. You're going to, you're going to be going like this. You may say you want to be a great Christian, but are your habits demonstrating a great Christian? You may say you want to be the greatest football player to ever walk the planet, but are your habits demonstrating the North Star, your identity? You may say you want to be the greatest. Todd wants to be a great podcast host, but am I doing the reps? Are my habits playing out? I would tell you this. You play the habits. You play the reps. You're losing weight. You're saying you're going to do it. You're getting back in the fight. I saw it. I know what you're doing, right? And I say you need to understand that the North Star of your habits, Richard, are your is your identity. What is your identity? Reverse engineer the damn thing. Go backwards. If you know you want to be the greatest podcast dude to ever walk the planet, then what are your habits that are leading to that? What are the reps? What are you doing to make that happen in your life? Because you already got the secret. The North Star of your habits is your identity. Kobe yep. did it. Actualization is how you get there. Yep. And just like my brother James Clear wrote that amazing book, Atomic Habits. That's it. You know, James so whatever. Clear, get 1% better. Bomb. Brilliant book. But you know, something that you said, and we're I know you're 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 stuck for time. So but you know, I'm something not, I'll you, talk all day with you, brother. I, I'm going the distance. But you know, like even Michael Jordan would say, I know who's gonna be with me next year at the championship because I know who's gonna go out and party tonight, and I know who's gonna be in the gym with me tomorrow morning. So a lot of us, we get a little bit of success and we get, we start drifting away. And then you drift you know, again. Because if you ever see, I love the Michael Jordan, the 10 part series, totally amazing. Um, but if you see almost after every win, he's by himself. Yeah. And he's like, okay, what do I got to do tomorrow? I'm going to enjoy Like Because I had a friend on mine, his name is Rich Davini and he's a Navy SEAL commander. And he says, Whatever you do is either on the battlefield or on the battlefield or the boardroom. Yeah. If you win, you celebrate for three minutes. If you lose, you get depressed for three minutes and then you got to move on. Yeah. And a lot of people don't. If they lose, they, they believe that losing is a person instead of being an event. So talk to us about coming back from a loss and not taking it as a person, but as an event. Well, I'm probably in the losing's hard, right? And so I think because we put so much time into, I at least myself personally, being the best at my craft. And there's so many people that are involved with losing that are in the team or around the team that 
you know, um, and losing can come in a lot of fashions. I mean, uh, I was a college football player. I was an all American, um, split end at a little call, uh, a school called Manchester university. So I know, I know how hard, how hard it is to lose. I know how hard it is and hard to be around people that you feel like maybe you were part of a loss and how you've been a part of how they feel. But I mean, I'm just not a good guy to tell you that I can get over a loss, but see, the thing is quickly anyways, the thing is, is that losing comes in a lot of fashions. I mean, I think you, I think the biggest loss that you can have is the loss of your mind. Right. And so when we go back into this whole process of, are you winning, you're losing, how are you recovering from a win or loss? It's not the event that's really been won or lost. It's how it plays out in your mind. And so you really got to learn to flip the script. Uh, the best thing I can ever tell anybody on a loss and how to get over a loss is to analyze the loss, right? You need to play it back over a few times. You need to figure out what you could have done better. You need to figure out what the game strategy would be the next time you're going to come around. And I know it's a bit cliseic, but at the end of the day, I mean, there really is no losses if you're taking inventory on the process, right? Um, we don't generally, James Clear might tell you the same thing is, is that we don't, we don't really, we, I would tell you, we rise to the level of our greatest weakness, right? And so if we have losses and we figure out what our weaknesses are, then we can raise the level of that weakness, right? But we fail to goals and rise to systems on the same hand as well. So we rise to the level of our greatest weakness. Mine happened to be operations. And until I could really figure out how to lift my operations game, I could never rise to the level of my sales and my sales ability because operations was holding me down, right? And when you think about winning and losing and you, and you think about uh, uh, the comment that you fail to goals but rise to systems is, is, is flipping brilliant when you think about it because if, you're, if you realize that you're going to fail, the, most people fail to goals anyways, and that's a loss. There's only one Super Bowl champion. There's only one NBA champion. There's only one uh, speed skating champion in the Olympics. Think about all those people that failed to their goal to win it, right? So if we start to really reverse engineer that a little bit and think about the system, right? Right. If you fail to goals, you rise to systems. So if you're working on the system more so than the goal, think about it for a moment. The success over time is going to be much, much, much better. I think that's the best way to handle a loss or a, a failure because they're both losses. Is it how, how do you re re-engineer it? And how do you stick it into these two quotes? You can only rise to the level of your greatest weakness and realizing that most of us fail to our goals, but really will rise to the level of our systems, right? Bill Belichick, you love football? Let's talk about a man who's, in, he had a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't, a great, great court, a coach until he learned how to coach a system, not coach to a Super Bowl. And and I love that. And Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson, brought the triangle in Boston, in, in Chicago, and with the Lakers, and with bo- and one in both systems. Yeah. So I, I love what you're talking about. So um, how do we find you? How do we support your mission? Where do we buy these amazing, amazing books? Where can we get swag? Because I love swag. I, I would, I have to, like ten thousand t-shirts. I love swag. So where do well, we get all this stuff? Well, I asked Abby to spoil you, um, and she I, did. I did my homework, and she said you were, 
Cheech said, you better, you better have a good interview with this guy. I was like, I know I've been watching. I'm studying. She calls me. She says, you know, you got to be on the phone. You got to, she's constant. She is so fabulous. And she was the one I called her in a panic. Cause I was on, I was on Streamyard at like one Oh two or something like that. I'm like, I don't leave me. I'm going to be a Richard. She goes, take a deep breath. You know, Streamyard. Let's go. Cause Safari wouldn't put me on yeah. and the whole same thing. So I had to flip it over and we waited. Well, anyways, so my podcast is on at 7.30. I use StreamYard as well. I can't wait to uh, uh, have you come on my show one of these times, and we'll just have, we'll just cut it up. We'll have a good time. But I'm live every morning, Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. It's all fresh content every morning, so you can catch me there on Todd Saylor Facebook, right? Todd Saylor Wired Differently on Facebook. Todd Saylor Wired Differently on Facebook. I'm there on Twitter, the same, same handle on Insty. Uh, Instagram, but, this guy's got over 20,000 followers yeah. on Instagram. We're getting How we, cool is that? We just crossed the line at 22 after that stupid viral 9.1 million. Like, uh, but anyway, so we're doing it, man. I'm like, we're doing it and you're doing it too. And it's just got to keep hitting it. You got to keep hitting it. You got to keep hitting it. And when you think that you can't hit it anymore, you just got to keep hitting it. It's one person, one deal at a time. So you can find me at toddsailor.com. I want to encourage you. I have a promo code just for you, right? And the promo code is podcast12. Write that down, podcast12. If you go to my website, toddsailor.com, that's T-O-D-D-S-A-Y-L-O-R, toddsailor.com, and you guys punch in the promo code podcast12. I'm going to give you 12% off of an amazing deal. And this amazing deal is my third book, Wired Differently, Your Will Be Done, right? Your Will Be Done, triangulating the two wills, our free will and God's will in our life. And you're going to get the audio book for free, including that $29.99. You're going to get the workbook, which is phenomenal e-workbook for free included in that $29.99. You're going to get the ebook as well for $29.99. And you're going to get the paperback for $29.99. Of course, I'm going to sign it for you. But I want you to know if you go to toddsailor.com, you're going to get it for that pro that promo code, which is podcast12. You're going to get it for $29.99, less the discount, plus all those additional things. So we got that there for you. So toddsailor.com, that's S-A-Y-L-O-R. That's two Ds, Todd, T-O-D-D, S-A-Y-L-O-R. And you can follow me on Facebook, most prevalent, Facebook and Instagram at Todd Sailor Wired Differently. I would, what a privilege it would be to show up tomorrow morning and you were out of bed and you were watching me on my show tomorrow because I'm going to talk about you tomorrow where it's all like Donkey Kong. We're going to let it rip potato chip about what kind of experience I had with you. But I would love to have as many of you as possible. Tiki Hut Retreat is our coaching seminar and I have the Wired Differently Coaching Academy for Entrepreneur and Business People. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your show and to spread some uh, cheer and some encouragement. Last question I have for you, brother. I'm uh, ready. You know, because you're, you're, you're a man of faith, you're a brother in Christ. Um, but if there's somebody out there, because you know we live in a crazy world. Um, and if I ask somebody to do something in seven days, they're never going to get to it. Yeah. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step that is listening to us right now in the next 24 hours, they're more than likely to do it. So yeah. if somebody out there, because I believe that if you if you're not close to God, you're the one that moved. 
Right. He's always there for us. Right. He's our he's our daddy, and he loves us and cares about us. But if there's somebody that's struggling with their faith out there right now, right. what can they do in the next 24 hours to find some peace in their life? Yeah, I, I think that I heard a logical thing I was studying the other day, and I just think that the people are struggling. Are you assuming that they're not in the faith, but they're in the well, faith? No, just and somebody, because right now, be, having faith is not a very popular thing. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of people have backslidden. So maybe yeah. they just need a little oomph to get back and yeah. have a little bit more peace. Yeah, I, I, I love the story about, uh, unfortunately, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ died on the cross. And at the very last moment uh, of all of this happening and him being persecuted and the idea of him going to the cross and the, the reason he went to the cross and had to go to the cross is because he wouldn't isolate anybody in the world. I mean, uh, God and Christ was the first uh, um, um, diversity person to ever walk the planet, right? Like Christ came here and he literally died on the cross because he wouldn't keep his kingdom mindedness, his salvation to only one type of person. He wanted it for the, the Judeas, the Christians and the Samaritans and the outermost part. He wanted the Gentiles. He wanted everybody to have this ability to go to heaven, not the color, not the walk, not the creed, not the nationality. And he just said, believe me, I don't care about your religion. Just believe in me. Right. And so on the cross, there's three of these people up there when the middle is Christ. And then one guy, he says, he's a criminal, he's a thief and he's going to die. And God says, don't worry if you accept me and your heart now even after all these years of debauchery everything in front of you, you'll be in heaven in his next breath he died and he went to heaven with christ right and so this this idea that no matter what it takes no matter where you're at realize that god will always be there for you these difficult times are going to happen tides rise and tide falls and sometimes you find the most beautiful things in your life at the bottom of the tide listen the tide in my house and my ocean i look over there sometimes it's so low it's so depressing that at the bottom of the tide, all I can see is dirt. And the, one day I realized all these birds were flying in and they were having the best time of their life because they were getting the shrimp and the minnows. Listen, there's so much out there at the bottom of the tide that can lift you to the next moment of your life. I just need you to look up and think about what's there for you because there's never going to be a moment in your life that God will not be available for you. People will always let you down, but God will not. And I just want you to believe in that because that is the truth. That is the gospel. That is the wired differently piece. The last piece of all this is the salvation that God will not forget you. I love it. So Brazilian warriors, you heard it right from his mouth. You know, even God said, you will be with me in paradise this day. And the other guy was like, yeah, whatever. And we all know what happened. But <laughs> uh, I, like I said, I'm a big Joel Osteen guy. And I always end with this quote. We have a choice to be the victor or the victim. Right. And I know that our resilient warriors, they choose to be victors today. So, guys, if you are struggling with anything, make sure you're not taking the victim role. Become the victor. Right. Brother, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so humbled. <laughs> Thank your beautiful wife, Tracy, and the girls. Thank you, Abby. Thank you for what you, you put this all together. So I just want to say thank you. I'm truly humbled for your friendship. All right. Don't forget, I want to buy that coffee for our men out there. Thank you so much. Have a great day, Richard. All right, brother. Be good. Have a great week.
Guys, I love you. And remember, vertical momentum, the only way to go is butt up. I love you guys. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.